a couple of, about a month ago, I was staying with my family in a lovely Hampton Inn. And uh, the great thing about this Hampton Inn is it had an epic dual water slide. And so my, my, my kids, I thought were going to be amped about it, and they refused. I was the only one that went down the slide. And uh, water, I mean, it was a real nice sinus cleanser. And uh, so we, we were at an event, and we, uh, we got our kids put down there, 7, 5, and 3. We got them put down like 9.30, so it was super late, and we were strung out, you know. And about 11.30, our neighbors in the next room came home, and they had no less than 10 children. Um, there was, it was just so many feet happening all at once. And they were like kicking the wall, and they were running up and down the halls, and they were screaming, and the people were screaming at them. And that went on for like a good hour and a half until like one. And then I finally fell asleep and I woke up at three because they had their TV on all the way up. I'm like, who is sleeping in there with the TV? I'm like, are they, what are they covering up in there? Uh, it's a government conspiracy. And I literally laid in bed till 6.30 when I got up and like followed the plot lines of all these Law & Order episodes that they were listening to because it was that loud. And um, so when I got up in the morning, they got up too and they were screaming everywhere. And I had this moment, and I was thinking to myself as I was brushing my teeth, you know, these people are my, literally my neighbors, and uh, they were created in God's image. And, like, I'm a Christian minister, and uh, I really should love them. <laughs> and, like, by love them, I mean in my heart and in meaningful, tangible ways. But I was like, you know, we just do life so differently. Um, and you're just kind of annoying. And... <laughs> I should love you, but I really don't want to. And tomorrow I'm going to check out anyway, and I'm never going to see you again. So it's going to be fun. And that's how we usually do life. Um, I think all of us, I would say one thing that's true of all of us is that we all want to live lives of purpose, authenticity, lives where we feel like we can give our whole selves, mind, body, soul to that thing, have purpose like Mark was talking about. Um, But other people make that very challenging sometimes. Other people really complicate our, you know, purposeful, authentic life. And most of the things you find online about how to live, like, the good life really have to do with you and yourself and, like, your meditation and, like, your skincare, And very little to do with how you love those people out there and how they love this person over here. And what I want to notice as we're looking in this chapter of Romans and really why we're looking at it is that following Jesus is this beautiful life, a life that presents itself as beautiful, authentic, consistent. And it's a life that's beautiful with other people, where other people are actually the center of the life that you're leading and what makes it beautiful. And I think whether you're here tonight and you're, you're, like you're very close to God or far away or you don't know, I think that's something we would all like. And so we should give our attention to, to what Paul says here in the 12th chapter of Romans. So I'm going to read it. We're studying the same passage every week, so I'm going to start in verse 1, which we did 1 and 2 last week, and then I'm going to read the next section. Uh, Listen, this is the word of the living God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, and when he says brothers, it means brothers and sisters, Uh, which why they don't just put brothers and sisters is beyond me, patriarchy, I understand that. Okay, all right, so I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is where we're going to focus. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, I believe this is God's word speaking to us tonight, so I'm going to pray and ask him to bless it. Uh, And as I pray, just take a moment to pray along with me to God in your heart. Uh, Father, uh, we come to you tonight needy recognizing that we're not what we should be, who we could be. Uh, The world is a mess in a lot of ways, but it's also so beautiful. And Lord, we're so beautiful. And it's hard to figure out what that all means. And so Lord, we need you to speak to us and to help us understand who you are, who we are, who this world is. Lord, help us to love you and love other people meaningfully. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So when the Bible talks about Christian people, it doesn't talk about Christian people and then Christian people in the church. There is an assumption throughout the entire Bible, and especially in books like Romans, that when you say, I follow Jesus, that means that you belong to not just the church out there, but the church right here, to the local church. And sometimes that can be really challenging. I want you to remember, some of you, this isn't that long ago, when you moved into your freshman dorm. Okay, maybe it was Lovell or White or Bowie or Hooey. Why we have two with the same name? Almost I don't understand, and they're on the opposite sides of campus, or whatever East with its ghost. And uh, I want you to remember when you moved in there, because dorms feel a lot like the church feels a lot of the time, which is a lot of people living alone together, right? It's a lot of people living by ourselves in the same building, doing our own lives. Now, some people in dorms connect. Some people like their roommate. Some people, like, they're like, oh, third floor at the end. Those are my people, and we're always in the lobby together. Some people, it's like, we like to smoke weed together, so we hang out. And some people, it's like, we, you know, we're into, like, the same sports, or we went to the same high school, or whatever. Some people connect, but most people just show up in the dorm when they have to be there, right? They're like, I got to sleep, or I got to study, and that's why I'm here. I'm not really doing my life with you. Um, But the problem is, unlike the hotel, the Hampton Inn, uh, you're not moving out tomorrow. You know, you're not going to check out of East Hall tomorrow. It's getting close, but you're not going to move out tomorrow. You have to do your life there for a while, for a season. And uh, that may be your experience in the church, where you're like, I'm doing my life here. Most of us are just showing up and leaving. Um, That may be your experience like the dorm. But Jesus is calling us to something that's not only better than that, It's actually quite beautiful and soul-fulfilling as well. What Jesus is calling us to in this passage, each of us here, is to do life as members of his body. Not just his people, not just his sanctuary, whatever, but to actually be parts of his body. And to live in this body, there's two things you cannot do. And this is what we're going to unpack together. To live in Jesus' body, you can't diminish the gifts of other people. In that body. And to live in Jesus' body, you can't diminish your own gifts 
in that body. All the parts have a, have a, a role to play. All the members work together and are members of one another. This morning, as I was turning from 321, I left my house and I was turning onto River Street by convocation. I was in the left lane, and there's two left turning lanes. And I realized about halfway into the turn that I was between the lanes, you know, as you do, as you're turning and you're texting, and uh, that 8.30 a.m. text. And uh, I was turning left, and I, I was like, oh my gosh. And I realized, thank God there was not another car in the other lane. Because when you're turning with another car, you have to be aware of them and they have to be aware of you, right? You can't diminish one another. And that's kind of what life in the church looks like. You can't diminish the gifts of the other members. You have to be aware of them, make space for them. And what it looks like to diminish the gifts of other people in Jesus' church, what this is basically going to look like, by the way, is we're going to talk a little bit about life in the church and then some of the other sermons about how we do life in the world. Um, Some of the ways we diminish the gifts of other people is uh, we take up all the space in the room. Some of you guys are very passionate, you're gifted, capable people, and you're like, well, I'm gifted and capable, I will do everything. I'll jump in here. And, uh, and, and you take up all the, all the space, right? You fill all the possible uh, jobs, and so that actually nobody else has an opportunity to sort of come up into that. So maybe, maybe that's how you diminish the gifts, you don't give room. Uh, some of you are overly critical um, of other people and what they do. And so it actually discourages people from wanting to lead because they're like, well, when I do, this person's going to kind of pick it apart. Not, not that that's any of us. Um, uh, some of you are, Mark, did we just do that thing where it was like fun, but then the guys were real serious? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, some of you are like overly committed to theological precision. Where like, you're like, um, you know... To serve looks like knowing all your stuff first and getting that all right. And then you can start serving, like once you have all your categories built. Um, As if you could build meaningful categories about God from the chair, you know, um, and not with other people that have God's spirit in them. So that's some of us. That's been me at times. It's still me a lot of times. Um, some, Some of us, we disqualify other people because they struggle with something that we don't struggle with. Okay? So that might be... um, their sexuality. Uh, it might be something in their past that's been very challenging for them. Uh, it might be use of a substance. Uh, it might be how they talk, uh, the words they use, or the people they spend time with, uh, or just something that's hard for them that's not hard for you. And uh, it's interesting because Paul says in verse 6, he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Notice he says, you got gifts because God in his grace gave them to you. So then you should... Like, our gifts are a gift from God. Um, They're given to us for free. So our sin doesn't, like, things we struggle with don't disqualify us from that. But some of us disqualify each other. Some people don't worship like you or do things the way you do. One of them that's hard um, is that sometimes we discourage people from serving uh, because we have this, like, institutional Christian language that, like, we, well, we all know what it means. But nobody else knows what it means. That's, that's why I was like, hey, Morgan, make sure and she did a great job. Like, we're about to sing a song, Days of Elijah, something about Ezekiel and Moses. And some of y'all are like, I don't know who these people are. Um, I, went to, you know, I went to high school with a you know, dude named David, but that's probably not the same one, right? You know? um, because these are people in the Bible. And so um, we talk about things in a way that makes people go like, I don't really know what they mean, so I guess I can't really enter into that space. And all those things... They shrink the space in in Jesus' body. They shrink the possible ways that people could be serving. And what they do is they actually turn 
Christian um, community like this or like the local church into a dorm, which is like a, a building full of individual rooms where individual people do their individual things and we do our life alone in the same place. But here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing that God is calling us to in this passage. When he says in verse 5, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. What he's saying is that you are members of Jesus' body. And Jesus' body is two things. Number one, it's crucified. And number two, it's resurrected. And what he's saying is this. You are a member of a crucified body. And that means you get to learn how to die to yourself. That you get to learn how to take, to follow that thing Jesus did. Because this is what we're going to to, to uh, celebrate and remember on Friday, which we call Good Friday. Um, is that the Lord Jesus, God who had come to live with us in a body, was nailed to a tree to give you and me life. And the question for us is, if we're in Jesus' body... Do you bear the marks of that in your life? When Jesus died and he was resurrected, one of his close friends, Thomas, was like, I'm not going to believe it's Jesus until I see the holes in his hands from where they crucified him. And when Jesus showed up, he was like, hey, his body still bears the marks of his crucifixion. And so his body must, us, his body must bear those same marks. We follow Jesus by dying to ourselves that, so that other people can live. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus in the church. I love Billy Graham. Um, I think he was, he was a wonderful man. I, went to, I got to go to the Billy Graham Library one time. You guys should go. It's really cool. Um, it's actually really an amazing place. And uh, I, I loved it. I had a great experience. I had one issue, and it was the very last thing. And uh, Isabel, I mean, you can talk about this later, okay? Because um, maybe you can, like, pull something. Um, at the very last thing is a painting painted by this dude named Thomas Kincaid the painter of light. And uh, it's a painting of Calvary, which is the place where the, the, the sort of hill where Jesus was crucified. And it's a cross there, old rugged cross. And, uh, but the scene is like the most beautiful, perfect, peaceful. There's like flowers blooming around the cross. And I saw that and I, got, I was angry. Because I was like, our hope as Christians is that our God was killed on a Roman torture device, and this thing has no pain in it. Where's the pain? Where's the death? Uh, where is our sense of what God went through? It's, it's, it's like a peaceful, easy feeling where nothing is hard, right? And following Jesus means dying. And if it's not painful for you to serve in the body, if it doesn't cost you anything, that should be a warning. If it's a peaceful, easy feeling and everything's fine... Um, maybe, maybe we aren't quite serving Jesus. And the key here is in verse 3, where Paul says, uh, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment. What he's saying is, in a lot of ways, our problem isn't low self-esteem. The problem is that we're used to setting ourselves apart from other people and to considering ourselves more highly than other people. But here's the thing. In Jesus' body, you don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to be special You don't have to set yourself apart from the pack because Jesus makes you enough in his body. He's the one that gets you in and sustains you there. And you don't have to assert yourself. You don't have to grab the spotlight. There's plenty of spotlight for everyone. There's no room for individualism in Jesus's church. And that's hard for us. 
Because it's all we know. So what it looks like to, to, to die to yourself in Jesus' body is that you encourage those who are different from you to serve. That you never miss an opportunity when someone has a gift, especially the person that you're like, I don't normally gravitate to someone like this. When you see that gift, you affirm that gift. We all long for affirmation for the things that really matter about us. And you can be that person. Don't miss that opportunity. Because especially to engage with people that are different from us, and especially people that may come from a different Christian tradition than you do. Because we actually have more to learn from those people than we have to teach them. Um, if you haven't spent time, I was talking with someone today, and she was talking about her interaction with, the, with people that are very different from her, but they're, both, but they're all Christians. Um, that's a beautiful thing, because you realize when you do that, we're only truly unified if we are diverse as a church. And that means, that means diverse in, ever, in all the possible ways. Life experience, socioeconomic race, all that stuff. Because just like a body is only healthy and unified when all the, the parts of it are working well. That's when it's, it thrives, and so, so do we. Uh, I was talking with someone recently that was talking about their friend that they were hiking with from, from Saudi Arabia. Not a Christian guy, but he was, he was talking about, oh, you know, one of the things that he really appreciates about Christianity is that there's so many different kinds of Christian traditions that have different ways and it exists, you know, uh, the most of the major religions in the world, like 80 or more percent of their people are in like one geographic place. Like Christians are all over the world and look and sound very differently. And we take that as like a bad thing, like, oh, no. You know. But he's like, no, it's great because Christianity is clearly so adaptable to every culture. Is your Christianity adaptable to every culture or is it, is it within your cultural that's because following Jesus is transcultural. So we don't diminish the gifts of others. I think we get that, and we can, like, okay, I can work on that. But maybe what's more challenging for us is that we don't diminish our own gifts in Christ's church. Okay? If Jesus is crucified, we're in his body, we die to ourselves for other people. But we can't diminish our own gifts either. And here's some of the ways I hear that. And I wanted to be really practical with you guys on this. So I, hope, I hope that's happening. Um, we'll say, well, I'm only here a little while. You know, it's like four years, or it's like two years, or it's like three semesters at this point. Um, you sound like we're like at the Hampton Inn, like, right, you know? Like, I'm going to check out soon, so like, why, do I, why even bother with it? But, you know, your whole life is temporary. You understand. You're only going to be here a little while. Um, time to get to work. You're like, yeah, 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 but I'm not going to stay in Boone. I mean, I'm not going to stay in Boone after I graduate. And like, bro, I don't blame you. Um, I, you know, it's great as a student, has some challenges, friend, sorry, Madeline, I need to stop saying bro, um, uh, when I'm trying to get, you know, on the level of the folks, I say bro, and that's not good, um, I'm not going to stay in Boone after I graduate, but it's like, yeah, but you still bought, like, L.L. Bean boots, (laughs) like, I don't see a lot of those in Charlotte, um, it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uptown Charlotte, I'm over in South End, so everyone's got their bean boots on, um, uh, like you, you're like, I need all wheel drive. I mean, I just got this car. I'm a junior, but I got to get all wheel drive because I live in Boone and you don't need it in Raleigh. Um, uh, I mean, you date someone in Boone or you're trying to date someone in Boone. Uh, you know, like you're going to graduate. Um, you mean you got a job in Boone, you know, you join a club, you know, the point being the body needs you now. It's not a timing thing. Uh, it's an opportunity that, that waits for us. So I don't, you know, the only here for a little while thing. I get it, but come on, guys. Um, 
How about the, I, well, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know. I don't know enough about the theology. I've only been a Christian for a little while. Um, when, I, when I hear that one, and I get it. You know, I get that. You're like, I just don't feel equipped. I'm not ready. Um, my friend Reggie Hunt, who preached at REF a couple weeks ago, he works for the football team, and uh, he always makes this thing when people say that. He was like, he was like, well, you don't work out with the team. He's like, you, you were not at workouts yesterday. You were not at the walkthrough this morning. You don't know the playbook. You don't know when they hold up the card on the sideline and it has like a picture of Drake on it, like what play that means for like, you know, the team. And he was like, but you still participate, right, in App State Mountaineer football. Like you show up. You're actually not just there like, I'll just do my part. Like you're amped to be there. You're ready to give everything you have in your lane, right? Like you're completely given to your own role. Um, even though you don't maybe know everything um, or you're not as far in as you might like. Or you might not have the, you're like, I don't have the gifts that the people on the field have. The people on the field are the only people that matter because they have the real gifts. All I can do is cheer on here. But it's interesting when Paul's talking, he's not talking about leaders in the church. He's talking about everybody in the church. Everybody has a gift. Or you're overly critical about yourself. This is, this is a lot of us. Um, you say, you know, like, what, like what, what do I have to offer? You know, not much. And like I said, individualism is the death of the life of the church. And uh, if you're on the sidelines um, with your gift because you think it's not sufficient uh, or because you hate yourself, um, how can we serve together? This is what you, y'all need to hear. In Jesus' kingdom, all the parts are supposed to work together for the good of the other parts. And when you're not there, we miss you. Like, we're not as good without you. We're at a deficit. This goes back to the diversity thing. When all God's people aren't together, we're at a deficit from experience, from gifting, from view on the world. Um, We are in a deficit without you. And my question to you, I guess, is like, can you accept someone else's affirmation of your gifts? Can you accept someone coming to you and saying, like, you're good at this? You should try. Like, even if you don't believe that they are right. Like, could you just for a moment suspend your, like, self-love slash self-hatred long enough to go, like, they may have a better read on my gift than I do. And I'm going to trust God with that. Because here's the beautiful thing. If you're diminishing your own gift, if you're diminishing your place in Christ's church, for any of those reasons or others, God gives you a beautiful thing to do, and that's learn like he taught you how to learn how to die. He's teaching you how to learn how to live. Because Jesus' body is crucified. But Jesus' body is resurrected. This is where we're going on Sunday. This is what we're going to celebrate. Christ uh, has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. The Lord Jesus is out of the grave. And if you know the Lord Jesus, you have been, the scripture says, you have been crucified with him and that you have been raised with him. And the power of that, that power that beat death is now in you to enable you to serve God and to serve your neighbor. The life you live now by Jesus, you live by Jesus who loves you and gave himself for you. And that means you can live in it. And so that means this. In verses 6 through 8, and I'm not going to unpack all of them, he gives all these different gifts. But look what he says. Paul says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. 
Let us use them. Even at the very beginning, people had to be told, hey, that gift you've got, you should use it. Um, because because you are that gift is desired. And he's talking about prop, you know, prophecy is like you say, you say what God said. You serve people. You teach people. You tell people, hey, this is what I see. This is what you should do. And ex- exhortation. You contribute to people. You lead. You do act of mercy, acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Whatever that, This isn't an exhaustive list. This is just some examples of the way that you can serve in your church. And what Jesus is saying is like, I love you. I've given you everything you need. Just go try. I mean, if, there, if I had like one thing I could like leave with you guys forever, it would be God is at work, so go try. It's okay to fail. I can't tell you what did my heart to hear Mark say, I could try and fail. I'm like, yes, Lord Jesus, you are at work. So use those gifts. Try them out. Also, read the Bible. I understand that parts of the Bible are hard to get. And that like, you may need someone to help you. But like calculus is also is way more complicated than the Bible, right? And you had to pass that action. I mean, well, not all of you, some of us. Um, I didn't. I got a C minus in college algebra, and here we are. Um, but you can read the Bible and ask God to help you. Read it with friends. Come talk to me. Come talk to someone. You know, try. Read the scripture. Ask questions. Don't miss the blessing that Jesus has for you. And. Uh, by, by understanding that you're the member of a crucified Jesus, that means that you can die, that other people can live. And that you're the member of a resurrected body, that means that you can live to God and actually try. And I want to leave you guys on this final reflection. Because I was trying to think about what this, what this means, that you live in a crucified body, you, you live in a resurrected body. And this is, I, I would submit to you, what a life of true love looks like. We all want to live. We all want love. We want real love, meaningful, true love. This is what true, life, true love looks like. Because if you think about people that get married and they really love each other, aren't they dying to themselves for one another? Because you can't just get what you want and thrive with them. They're giving up maybe some of the things they would have wanted for the, to give the other person honor and glory, right? And they're living as someone in this new They're not like, well, I just, I'm just going to be a this terrible wife. I mean, I'm, just, I'm like the worst husband. No, because you got to get up and you got to do the work, right? They're living as crucified and resurrected because that's how God made us. That's God's whole plan for the world. Think about, about your, your parent. Like maybe your mom, when, when you came home from school, she was there. That she stopped what she was doing. She went to you. She died to the thing that she had. Let me tell you something. If you're going to have kids one day, you're going to do a lot of dying to what you would like to do right now. That's why you should never get a dog. Okay, don't get a dog before you have kids, because then you have to die for the dog. That was not worth it. Okay? Um, when you have, to, that's my rant about dogs. Um, when you have children, you die to them, but you also live for them. And I, I just want us to reflect on that as we head uh, home to, for Easter for the weekend. The life of true love is the one that looks like we die so the others will live, and that we live in Jesus. Um, that's the life of true love. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love us and that you're at work. I pray for these friends, Lord, that, um, that they would see living in your body as something that is glorious and, and beautiful. And Lord, maybe I didn't even present that well enough. But Lord, your word was read and that you're at work now. So Lord, would you teach us that's true, that we can live uh, for you, that we can die for you, and that we can find true love. And that, Lord Jesus, thank you that you've done those things for us. We pray in your name.